you now to join our conversation, an instrument of healing as we share how each of us can grow through times of illness, grief, and loss. Our wish is through these words you will discover a healing community that promotes insight, reignites hope, and nurtures peace. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to Conversations with Kelly. This is Jeffrey Cloninger, your producer and one of your hosts. Hey, Kelly Grosslogs, how are you? Good morning. I am doing well today. Excellent. It's a beautiful day here in Chicago. I'm so glad Studio you got to B. come down. I am too. Yeah. And I love our new equipment. I wish we will have to take a picture of it. Because we will it take really a picture of it. So it's just so beautiful. And I love to see this podcast continue to improve. So thank yeah. you, Jeffrey, for all the investment of time. You're welcome. Into this and talent. You're very, very welcome. And we know our listeners are invested too. And we've heard from a lot of you out there. One of the topics that frequently comes up in your posts and questions from listeners and those who are on the CWK Facebook page is what do those who we've loved, who are now dead, what do they want for us in our life now that they're gone? It is a it is a topic that comes up a lot, and I have probably within the last five years realized that my work with the dying in hospice and in private practice has been preparing me for my work as a grief therapist. Um, some may say, well, obviously, but I didn't realize how profound the lessons that I heard at the bedside over and over again have allowed me to really walk with people in grief and use those learnings, especially with people that have lost somebody suddenly, because I've heard these themes that I'm going to talk about in a minute so often that I think it could be safe to say that it would apply to probably anybody that has died and what they'd want for their loved ones. So a couple themes come up, and I think it's it's really important to if you're listening to this, to really allow yourself to take this in. Um, some people in grief feel so ridden with guilt that they didn't do enough that they often think, oh, none of this applies to me. I'm not, I'm not worthy enough to receive the wisdom. Mm, that's sad. It's very sad. But it's also very true. It's very sad, and I think it's all part of the... Um, the work people have to really lean into in their grief work because pe all people are worthy of healing, no matter who you are. And I think that it is really important to remember that our loved ones who we loved want for us to continue living after. So one of the two of the themes that I would often hear from patients um, who were terminal and who I got to, to meet with so beautiful that they don't want to be forgotten, but they want their loved ones to continue living in their honor. So, you know, not being forgotten does not mean that people should be suffering throughout their day. People get, you know, I have this quote, and many of you know, when you love deeply, you grieve deeply, and that does not equate to suffering deeply. Grieving and suffering may feel the same, but they're actually not. Suffering is a very punitive action that either is in, um, inflicted by us or by somebody else, whether it would be self-blame, um, restricting yourself from feeling joy and feeling so guilt. So 
Yeah, I was just going to say a lot of times the guilt will drive the suffering. Completely. And sometimes it's probably something external that's not guilt-driven, but guilt really comes from within. It absolutely does. And so I see people withholding joy, withholding happiness because dad isn't here to experience this. This was actually dad's trip we were supposed to be on. And so we're going to go on it, but we're not going to have fun on it because that's not fair to dad. And I keep going back to all these conversations I've had, even in families that have been estranged or not necessarily have dynamics that are cohesive or healthy, really ultimately the person who's dying wants for those people to continue to live. And so I've, I've come right out because I've had people say to me, I'm not, I haven't been a very good daughter to my dad and I wish I had more time before he died to reconcile with him. And I will say, well, we've got, he's still living. And, you know, I've seen healing happen within a matter of a minute. I mean, truly, mm. whether it's forgiveness or apologies or I love yous. A lifetime of woe can be erased in just seconds. Absolutely. can certainly be healed. And always that is an option for people. So one thing I've done, I remember working with a, a daughter and a father, um, the daughter was in her 20s and the father was in his 50s and he was dying and they had a very tumultuous relationship. She came as an opportunity to um, really do forgiveness work, but she was forced by her mother to come and I could just tell that she had zero desire to be there. Mm. It was very awkward. But it was so beautiful because you wouldn't know looking in that this was a relationship that had strain in it because it really looked like all the other relationships that are loving and connected. And what it was very basic, she went in, he was very moved that she would even come. They did a lot of, I'm sorry, we've missed so much time together. Yes, it's very sad. He apologized for not being in her life. And he, but he said something that was so beautiful. And he said, would you, in my honor, continue to live a life that is purposeful and loving? And will you take my mistakes for you as your father and transform them into being a better parent yourself? Or that's awesome. It was beautiful or more connected what a gift. And she's so fortunate to have had that opportunity to have that conversation because a lot of people don't get that. No, they don't. And and I was proud of her for taking the opportunity because it's a very it's a very difficult thing to come into somebody's most intimate and um, vulnerable time in their life is when they're dying. And to enter into that space of somebody you haven't seen for 20 years, you know, um, is, is very you know, awkward at best. And so they both showed up. It was incredibly healing. Her grief then became less focused on what she didn't have versus, and what she didn't get from him versus this nugget of wisdom and and permission to live. So I see that so often, Jeffrey, where they were, you know, the dying are telling me, um, A, they don't want to be forgotten. So we we work on that. How, what are the ways you want to be remembered? And, and we do a lot of legacy work, right? We've talked about that on other podcasts. I write about that in my book. But 
I love to be able to facilitate that conversation from the dying to the people that are going to be grieving them. I want you to continue living. Now, that doesn't mean you're not entitled to your pain, your, your emotional pain, your grief. But I have so often seen this guilt, um, even in a, in a laugh, where people say, oh, I shouldn't be laughing. I mean, what if somebody sees me laughing and they know that my child just died yesterday? Like, I can't believe I'm laughing about this. And so there's so much judgment in grief. I think that's another thing the dying want for us is to be more gentle on ourselves. And many people out there, depending upon what your belief is, believe that the people that have died, they are not sitting around focusing on all that they lacked in life. Right. Right? Right. They're... They're not. And whatever your belief system is, we believe, you know, they're no longer here and we want to believe they're somewhere, whatever you call that, um, in a space that's loving and, and accepting and safe. So, Kelly, a question comes up. What should somebody do who doesn't have that opportunity to be at the bedside with their loved one when they die? Excellent um, point. And I have to say, I've, I've Obviously, as a grief therapist, worked with multiple kinds of losses. Suicide, car accidents, homicide, um, sudden cardiac events. Neuro- you know, there's, there's multiple ways that people leave us too soon and quickly. I would say I feel pretty confident because my research, um, the numbers in my quote-unquote research are hundreds to thousands that I've been able to talk with or collaborated with other people that work at the end of life and we hear very similar things, I feel comfortable saying that I think or I I want to believe, Jeffrey, that it applies to everybody grieving. I, you know, they didn't get to have those conversations, but if we can take a risk here and just say, I think those the dying people are the wisdom that they've given me, I believe I use with all my experiences in grief, because they are a gift in a lot of ways that have given words that will carry me through in my work. And so it is really sad. And I will say that there are many people at the bedside where their loved ones die um, or they die and their loved ones never heard this from them. It's something they've told me. And so I have taken that, I've shared that with them, I wish we all could have one last conversation with the people that have died in our lives. I do. Right. But I have to be, I feel privileged in that I get to be that channel for people that have so courageously spoken with me over the years. It's truly, it's about live in my honor and live your life because that would, that would ultimately make them the happiest. And you know, and then how do we remember the people we die? I mean, there's m- multiple ways we remember. We look at pictures, we light candles, we say their name, we play their favorite song, we make their favorite meal. So that goes back to that both and concept I've talked about where we can do those things and still be able to enjoy it. And so because grief is everything, grief, I was, I was interviewed recently and they asked me, what is grief to you? And I said, everything. And they said, well, expound on that. That's that's an interesting answer. And I said, well, I have recently been in a very acute state of grief. And there were moments I was laughing. There were moments I was crying. There were moments I was scared. 
regret, remorse within 10 minutes. I mean, it's really everything. And did you judge yourself as you went through all of those? So funny you said that because literally what was just coming out of my mouth was there was a lot of judgment that happened. So it's (laughs) got it right. And so I, yes, I mean, we're really good at judging ourselves, not just in grief, but in life. But we're experts. Absolutely. As humans, we're experts. We are. And, you know, um, I do sometimes get really lucky and I get to ask people specifically, what do you want me to tell your family when you die? And I have those things written down in my charts and I can share those with people. You know, and the theme is just so resounding that I can't imagine it doesn't apply to somebody that died suddenly in a car accident. You know, I don't, the way they died does not necessarily reflect what they'd want for the people who they love after they've died. I mean, you know, and in a way that I have thanked so many of my patients who have um, had an anticipated death because in a way they get to speak for those that didn't. And, you know, even when people die and maybe you were in a fight, maybe your last words were something that wasn't very loving, person dies, and you're left with that. And what we have to remember is that that is only one part of the story, the total story of living with this person and loving this person. Yeah, I think it gets expanded because it's that final moment and you remember the last thing really in any event in life. And that's where the suffering piece comes in. You know, when I see people continually hold on to that, I shouldn't have said that. I wish I would have picked up the phone when they called. Why did I yell at them? Um, Why didn't I go on vacation with them when they wanted me to? If I would have been there, this could have been avoided. You know, all these things that people think that's that's their that's their way of proving they loved more and it and it's not it all that does is make the pain of the loss that much more intense so grieving for me at least and what the way i work with people and the way i try to walk with my own grief is that grief is tough enough i mean it's so hard and i think that adding that suffering component where it feels very punitive and judgmental and shaming isn't, isn't that, isn't the same as grieving deeply and allowing the feelings of sadness and loneliness and all of that. If that makes sense. It does make sense. And there's two things I'm thinking about. There's the multiple emotions that you go through as an individual, which could be joy followed by the, you know, maybe you're remembering a really happy time Mm -hmm. with your loved one when you went on a vacation. It was just wonderful. And then in the next moment, you're crying because you're never going to see them again. There's that. And then something you said earlier was how you might grieve differently than another individual altogether. Mm-hmm. So you've got both of those things happening and needing to honor all of the feelings within yourself, as well yes. as whatever the other folks around you however they are experiencing and demonstrating their grief, right? So you've got all these things, all these variables, all these changing dynamics. Yes. And so we're judging ourselves. We're comparing ourselves mm-hmm. against everybody else. Completely. And then we're writing this story that no matter what, I mean, I think what you just said is so beautiful because it's simple. 
what does somebody want for us? Somebody who loves us wants us to be content and happy and safe and loved. Absolutely. And in, in, I will also say, so if you're, if you're listening to this today, this doesn't mean that you don't get your grief, like that you're not entitled to your grief. You absolutely are. In fact, we have to honor that. We have to be with the grief and, and know that it is a, you know, anytime you, if you're capable of loving, you're capable of grieving. And if you get to love, you get to grieve. And so and I think if you can't grieve, you probably can't love. Well, that's an interesting way to look at it. Very interesting way to look at it. Um, some back to our original, when we opened this, some people don't feel worthy of loving and therefore they won't feel worthy of their grief. So, you know, I just, I, I, I'm glad that we had a listener um, email in about this topic who I know has been very hard on himself. And I am, you know, when I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, I think I could name 5,000 people that I've talked to in my life that feel the same way. Um, you know, another thing is people sometimes don't think they're grieving the right way or they're grieving enough or they're grieving whatever. And I've heard from members of my own family in that case. And again, that goes back to suffering. That goes back to punitive. That goes back to judging. Why are we such martyrs too? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Right. Some of that is like, I better suffer because otherwise, as you said earlier, they're not going to know that I could love them. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so if people believe that our loved ones um, are connected to us in spirit, then what that must feel like for them to see us so disheartened and and suffering, it must be very difficult. You know, it must be. Now, I, again, grieving in itself is the most painful thing you can go through as a human being. We don't need to add to it those feelings, even if it comes with the territory. This podcast is about being aware if this is what's going on in your world, if this is what's going on in your process. Being aware of where are you adding insult to injury? Where are you creating more um, discord than not? And really imagine, if you will, here's a little exercise um, on, as we're wrapping this up, is that imagine your loved one's voice. Try to pull to your mind's eye what they look like. Imagine them sitting across from you in a chair and them saying to you, which I have heard countless times. I want you to continue living and enjoying your life in my honor. Can I share a quick story? Yes, please. So you've heard this before, but our listeners haven't. About three or four months ago, I had a dream. My grandfather visited me in the dream. He died actually in 1983. So I was six years old. This is mm -hmm. a long time ago in the dream. And I typically don't dream about him, but he showed up and it was probably the best dream I've ever Which had. Which grandfather was that? My dad's dad, Grandpa Jim. Jim, okay. Yeah, and the dream ended like this. I was a little kid, and I ran out in this field, and he was standing there, and I hugged his leg because I was short and he was tall. And I said, I love you, Grandpa. And he picked me up, and he squeezed me, and he said, I want you to know that I love you very, very much. Mm. Wow. Isn't that what we want? That is called going on and living. 
And, and what I love, Jeffrey, about that is I can see it in your face how that comforted you. And I'm so grateful you're letting that message in, that you feel worthy enough to let that love in. I've even heard people come in and question if the dream was accurate or what does this mean or I, am I imagining this or did he really love me? Get out of our own way, please, in this right. and just really allow this because dreams can happen years like in your situation. My mother has been dead many years, 30 plus years, and I have never dreamt of her. And so... Um, she's shown up in many other ways, but I've she's never come to me in a dream. Good point to make. If you don't have dreams about your loved ones, it's okay. Yes. Yeah, they're busy doing other things, you know. <laughs> be watchful of them because there's like the bird could be their, their sign, the dime, the penny. I mean, they just it's it just comes in different ways. So I hope what we have shared today from some of the most beautiful teachers in my life, the people who have walked with a terminal illness and have certainly at the end shared so much wisdom with me. I hope this has been helpful. Please feel worthy enough to receive the wisdom. And for whatever way your loved one died, I am so sorry if you didn't get these opportunities to have these conversations, but please know that I I feel called and I feel grateful and humbled that I get to share some wisdom that's been shared with me for many, many years, um, consistently the theme. So how do you honor them? How do you remember them? Please do that. Of course, you're going to grieve and you're going to feel um, many, many feelings and grief because it's everything. But don't go to that place of suffering and, and shaming and judging because all that does is focus on one part of your story with them which is and it's very tormenting so learn the dance of both and find the ability to grieve find the ability to love and honor and in in those moments it is absolutely okay to to find joy and happiness and jeffrey if you wouldn't mind reading a poem as we wrap this up from John O'Donohue, which is one of my favorite poets, and it's called One Voice. May there be kindness in your gaze when you look within. May you never place walls between the light and yourself. May your angel free you from the prisons of guilt, fear, and disappointment and despair. May you allow the wild beauty of the invisible world to gather you, mind you, and embrace you in belonging. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who listened. May you take this in and feel worthy. And may you always, always know that love is what matters most. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. See you next time. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you for listening to this CWK podcast. It's our hope that these words bring comfort, healing, and insight to your life, wherever you are and whatever you're experiencing. 
please subscribe and share this episode. You can also follow and like Conversations with Kelly on Facebook. One quick note, we've done our best to share some ideas, tips, and techniques to help guide you. This podcast's content is not intended to be a substitute for or constitute professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We encourage you to seek professional medical advice if needed. Thank you.